1: You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Roenson. I'm joined this morning by James Rushton on, I think it's a boxing day, bank holiday. It's Monday the 27th. Yeah. I don't really know what day it is. My voice is croaking. My nose is running. I'm waiting on the results of a lateral flow test So I've got my booster jab today as well. So it's all going off, um, but I'm okay. James, how are you?
0: All good. Uh, yeah, same, same position as you, feeling a bit ill. Couldn't, couldn't go to Villa Game yesterday because I was feeling a bit under the weather. Um, but yeah. I'm okay apart from that and the Villa match.
1: Yeah, well, let's talk about that, that Villa match then. That's what we're here for. We're only here for the next 15 minutes or so. It's, a, it's our post-match debrief because we didn't do one last night and I'm still technically off work. I think you are as well. So, consider this a bonus ep- episode with everything that's going on. 3-1 defeat for Villa last night on Boxing Day. And in the first half, I came away thinking, you know what, we're, we're, we're well in this game. We went 1-0 up. Um, Silly penalty to go away. But, you know, we can get at Chelsea again in the second half and, and maybe come away with something here and... Second-half display, I couldn't really tell you what happened, to be honest. Just just nothingness in the second half, really. Chelsea a lot better and and take home the three points.
0: I think one of the biggest differences there, mate, is uh, Lukaku. Mm. The second he comes on, it's a game-changer, and you see the difference elite strikers make. You see it against Chelsea time and time again. I mean, there's a difference in quality between Olivier Giroud, uh, Tammy Abraham and uh, Romelu Lukaku. But whenever Chelsea have these strikers, they seem to make a bit of a difference against Villa. I think Giroud in the project restart scoring a a pretty good finish uh, in an area where you thought "Mm, he might not have that. Um, Lukaku, amazing yesterday. I'm not sure whether to blame what happened to Villa on the defenders against him or actually him because I think that separates your average strikers, right? that they're capable of doing stuff like that. The movement um, from Lukaku against Mings, storming to, to win the penalty at the end. I mean, poor change from Konza, but if you recap it, what, what else can he do? He's done. Like, he's cooked. <laughs> like, there's, there's, what, he has to go to ground, right? There's Like, he can barge him. He can do... There's little he can do apart from go to ground. He knows. Um But then you might as well let him take the shot there and uh, hope Martinez can deal with it because... He ain't saving a Jorginho penalty.
1: Just to jump in quickly, the two penalties, any, any complaints over the decisions themselves? No. Both definite penalties?
0: Both clear-cutters, die. They're both yeah. defenders knew as well. And Matty Cash knew. He didn't even see, did he? He just went in. Um, cons are different because it's just desperation just to keep mm. us in the game at the end. Um, you know, you have sympathy there. Um, but in the second one, I'd have probably just let him take the shot. Stand him up and challenge him for. I'm not a defender. A like, lot, very clearly from my body check, I'm not a Premier League <laughs> defender. Um, so I don't want to be sitting here insulting it. But Matty Cash is just probably the poorest one. You know, yeah. The, the context of it, we were one nil up. You, it's too risky.
1: Just one nil up as well. That's the that's the most annoying thing with that to, to concede so soon afterwards. Is I feel like the the Stephen Gerard Villa has cut out kind of silliness like that in, in his tenure so far, and to see Cash kind of dive in. I've only seen it the once, a bit live at the stadium on the other end of the ground. I thought, you know, there's there's enough kind of pace on that ball that if Cash kind of gets his body in the way, that ball goes out for a, for a goal kick and that's it, we, we move on to, to the next play and that's that. I've not seen it back. Obviously, you've seen the replays on TV and stuff last night. But yeah, yeah it was a clear penalty and a stupid thing from Cash to do. And yeah. that effectively, you know, doesn't, doesn't at the time, but that effectively kills the game, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, that one nil up pretty accidentally. I mean they deserved to. The play yeah. from all players was pretty good. It just lacked that final pass. Um but I think they were cursed a bit by going by going one 0 up because you could just see the panic in Maticash to kind of keep the result and that's why it, why it happens. And maybe you know Villa's coaching staff are pretty good. Michael Beale, you know, Gary McAllister because there's experience and uh, you know progressiveness, Aaron Danks, Austin McPhee. You know, these are the kind of people you want there. But it probably did lack Stephen Gerrard for that calming touch because his words more so than the, t- the tactics at the base but it's his words and mentality i think that can make the uh the difference in these tough situations you saw the way you know against man city against liverpool there wasn't a collapse there was always a sense that yeah we'll go behind and we'll, we'll kick on i think the other way around that's why we suffered i mean you always want to go up don't you but against the chelsea who have lukaku on the bench and you've got the ability to commit these rash mistakes and rash errors to give, give them away back into the game. It's a different challenge for Villa, isn't it? You know, versus yeah. three, three total challenges Dan, you know, the difference is they go up ahead early and then there's a bit of panic rather than... They seem to want to be that team where the chips are down
1: they can find a way back in. Yeah, I and mean, again, it says all about uh, how far we'll have come in, in recent weeks that we're disappointed against uh, you know, a defeat against Chelsea and we feel like we could have got more. You know, there's been a lot of talk about Chelsea being kind of this top three with Man City and Liverpool. and Yeah, they yeah. probably are the third best team, but Liverpool and Man City are in a category of their own. Chelsea don't even come into that for me. That They're, they're very good, yes, but you've got Liverpool, Man City then Chelsea, then everybody else. That isn't a top three for me. Chelsea just happened to be the third. that I'm sitting in Liverpool Ruthless in comparison. And I felt like, we, you know, we could still get at Chelsea again in that second half and come away with something. So to, to almost, I don't know what I want to say, not show up in the second half, but I don't really remember anything in the second half of, of any note from Villa's end, to be honest. I don't know whether I'm just misremembering and it's, it's late and it's early this morning and I've forgotten, but nothing happened for me.
0: No, in the first half, they couldn't connect a move. In the second half, they couldn't even like kind of start the move to connect it. Yeah. It was that uh, I don't think the substitution, the su- you know, they were the right moves to make. I think, I think all the players who came on were the right players to come on. But mm, yeah, Chuck Rebecca kind of grew into the game a bit late, but Chantrore grew into the game, you know. But by the time they were looking like to make some damage, Al Ghazi as well, Lukaku was on the break and comes giveaway give away penalty. So yeah. I think they were, it, it was just the, the way it worked out, the kind of where the trips fell it it didn't suit Villa at all, and like, they weren't able to make that move. Um, there was a lot of kind of just that final touch of the final shot was lacking. They're really good at kind of in the first half, there's a few back heels and really these really quick combos that mm-hmm. you know left Chelsea almost like hands in the air, flustered. Um, they didn't always come off, and I think there was a chance that fell to Matty Cash. And if he just smashed it first time in the first half Is that
1: from the edge of the area,
0: yeah, if you just hit it, mm-hmm. you got a chance there. That chance doesn't even, you know, it falls apart, doesn't it? So I think, look, nine times out of 10, I want Villa to be this side with the, the tricky moves because they can do it. You saw yesterday, there's evidence there that it's just a little bit away from from them pulling it off. Yeah. But they also need to take a snap at a chance when it's there. Um, Chelsea did that. Yeah, Mason Mount missed an open goal, but that's how they do it. They take the chances. <laughs> they take the chances that there. Villa didn't even have an open goal to miss up. They barely had many shots you know at all yeah
1: uh, I kind of found myself sat there in the first half I was how many chances are there? How, many, how many opportunities are we going to make and, and not kind of get anything out of and I've, again I've not seen any of the stats back I don't imagine any of those chances in my head were were classed as clear cut chances or, or proper goal scoring opportunities but you know there's a couple of occasions where Douglas Suiz has played like an outside of the boot pass through to, to Watkins in between the, the full back and the centre half and he, he stood on goal from kind of the, the right side and cuts in and has a shot from the edge of the area that kind of is, hits off the defender or, or straight at the keeper I think that happened two or three times Danny also had a couple of occasions like that and like I said they don't go down as proper chances but against Chelsea when you're at home and 1-0 up at that stage or, or, or still at 0-0 you've got to work those into better opportunities to, to make the most of it because they don't come that often and I felt like we did we were able to cut through Chelsea with, with some of those um long long passes from midfield douglas Suez in particular his, his passing last night was was excellent yeah that one i mentioned from the outside of the boot w- w- was lovely and you score that chance and then you get that lucky that you know, that lucky deflection for the goal from from targets cross as well and you, suddenly you tune it up because you've actually taken some of your chances and it's a totally different result then that's disappointing isn't it and, and that's something that they've got to work on in the, in the coming week decision making composure in the final third that, that's what's lacking i think from from the forwards now
0: yeah, I mean if you didn't watch the match and you went on and saw three one or two two one without the last penalty. Or even one one without both penalties, you know, it's all it's all if buts and maybes, as we say, that. We only deal in in, in the absolute, mate. Um but like when you look at it on paper, three one against Chelsea probably isn't that bad. It's just the context that makes it hurt. Like Yeah. In the in the first half, especially it was there for the taking. We didn't need to all the goals that we gave up. Well, two of them were in our gift to give up. It was two penalties that we we gave them. One was in a a desperate situation that we caused. We you know we we caused the turnover at the other end of the pitch that essentially gave as, was as good as giving away the penalty done. So, yeah, it was it, the context is twin because we we completely threw threw that away. Um, the, the penalties, the second half, um, the first half chances. I say snap at a chance. I, I think I'm a bit wrong there because it's more so sort the of decision making. Um, when there's a chance to snap out, they don't take it. When mm-hmm. there's a chance they can probably cut back, they snap at it. Um, Especially when kind of Watkins or Ings gets it on the flank, on the corner of the box and there's a really tough, like acute shooting ankle. And maybe, yeah, there isn't always people arriving into the box and that's something we that really need to work on. And you do trust Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins, especially to finish a chance. But... It just seems to be a better, a bit better um kind of decision making up from because some of the moves we were, we were making yesterday were putting Chelsea at risk of conceding two, three. So, you know, in the first half. Um our the the, the, the biggest pain is our lead lasted five minutes. You know, you that that's bad. Like that that's a minute amount mm-hmm. of time, isn't it? You know, at least have a half, at least have 30, 20 minutes, 10 even, <laughs> five, just yeah. you know, you can't you can't do that against Chelsea because you can't give them ways back into the game because especially you know they start the game without Romelu Lukaku and other players you know they got players you can shut down again. You Kovacic on the yeah, they were forced into you know a few defensive changes as well. But Lukaku comes on, game changer. He's a world class striker, yeah. and Chelsea have already found a way back into the game without him. Then it's on for the win, isn't it? And mm-hmm. he's going to beat like Ezri Konsa and Mings are great. He's gonna beat them because that's what he does. It's what he does across the world. You know, you need to be you need to be stronger up front. To give yourself a buffer and something to fight for.
1: We're kind of doing this in reverse order, which I don't know why. We should have put more more planning into this. Let's talk about team news. <laughs> 15 minutes into the episode, uh, what are your kind of thoughts going into the game yesterday? Obviously, Boxing Day is a, always a, a nice nice game, anyway, just because of the occasion and, and yeah. what time of year it is. But well, I spent myself all afternoon on my phone checking social media for whether the game was on or off, because uh, you know, still no confirmation. When it gets to four thirty and the team news comes out. You know, All this talk about COVID situation. You know, is the game on? Is it half gerard has got it? What does that mean? You know, who else is going to have it? I was half expecting this kind of decimated team, but it wasn't the side I was expecting. It was a lot stronger. I thought there'd be three or four maybe missing and kind of being on the verge of, you know, why wasn't this called off? Um, so, team news, my opinion, far better than I anticipated.
0: The team, obviously, was good enough to, uh, to probably get a point against Chelsea um, without drumming in. big we probably did lack John McGinn to be fair, but I thought the midfield was okay. Uh, Morgan Sanson seemed to be everything. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the problem, was it? it was the problem was the breakdown up front and at the back. Um, Ramsey, yeah, it's just it's just things didn't click. Like that, that was the, the main problem. I think John McGinn can help stuff click because Morgan Sanson's just a, a relatively new insert into the teams, and he, he's been here for just under a year now. Um, but in terms of the minutes he's played, he's barely featured. Um, so he needs mm. to gel into the team. Or well, I don't see how he can do that if John McGinn comes back, because that's John McGinn's position. Um, but maybe someone like John McGinn, who knows, who can connect well with the team. He's got the chemistry, he's got the energy, he's got the ability, and he's got the technique, can be not the difference maker, but a catalyst to allow the difference maker to, to, to show up. Um, he certainly will arrive late into the box, won't he? And uh have a punt from there. But yeah, I don't think I don't think the team news makes a difference to be honest and I think we were f- alright I think the, the main thing was probably the disruption caused by COVID in the first place and the, the lack mm. of a major There's, might have um, disrupted pre-game analysis training stuff like that uh,
1: Let's talk about a couple of individual players then before we go let's talk about the, the um, Ings Watkins partnership I guess uh, yeah. they played playing in, in the same side how do you think they got on and also Brent D, almost in that little triangle I guess
0: I don't know if it was a tactical decision but it seemed like they fell into a trap of falling really really deep as well like in the second half, Ollie Watkins was just picking up balls and defensive midfield and running with them almost like you know what Jack Grealish would do sometimes last season, mm. like pick it up and, and it's like, Ollie, you're you're the striker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're you're the centre forward. Um Danny Ings is doing it as well. I don't know if that was by design or how the game kind of fell out, but the fact they both did it seems that it might have been just how their roles turned out. So Danny Ings has he's clearly got the quality. You know, he's done it before, you, you see glimpses of it, he he wasn't awful yesterday was it it's just it doesn't really work out it's only gonna work out if he's given that role and goes through it for a run of he gets a run of games essentially but is that at the cost of Ollie Watkins who's in a bit of form and can do the job up front so it's it's a hard question you know it's one probably was Dean Smithson doing how do you fit all these players in um and Jared probably doesn't have that but that you know there is obviously going to be a pressure to play Danny Ings because of the money yeah. spent on him and, and his name you know the quality of the player so look, I have full faith that he can get it done, but it's probably at the cost of Ollie Watkins in the short term because he was doing the job all right, wasn't
1: he? You can say exactly the same things about Emre Wendeo.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's just you know then you get your Leon Bailey back and then Bertrand Traore goes away for uh, the the Cup of Nations. So it's about giving them a run of games and seeing what your best lineup is and and making sure that the players who don't fit in. You can even embed them over time, but I, I just feel di- I feel like it's a really difficult conversation that Ings and the Ingers and Watkins one—because um, Brender kind of has that role, and he can go into the midfield, and he can go on—you know—he can play where, wherever you really want him to. Like, I know football managers, you put him right wing back if you want. <laughs> um, but the, the the main thing is that striker position. It's just less question marks over it because you startly Watkins now. He's probably not as rusty as Danny Ings, but. God forbid, you know, if there's an injury, Danny comes in and he's 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 not ready to go, he's not warm. You know, he's, he's coming out, out from the cold a bit. So I think if if Steven Joe trusts in it, he likes what he saw yesterday and wants to get more for or not likes what he saw, but if he wants to get more from it, that's to go with it.
1: Another one, midfield option. Morgan Sanson, his first start since April, I think I saw it was somewhere. That's classy footballer in there, isn't that I think?
0: Yeah. Yeah, again, it's someone who needs time and I think Coming in fairly from the cold, he had he had played a bit, didn't he? He had he had come on a few times, yeah. Um, but first, starting a long, long time almost you know just under a year, really, isn't it? You know, may yeah, as well be. Much. So, uh, yeah, uh, I th- I thought he was good. Um, he popped up everywhere. He was popping up on the right yeah. flank. I was like, is that Matty Cash? No, it's not Matty Cash. Ka- <laughs> it's it's, it's So yeah, I thought you know, Morgan Sanson is almost someone like, mm, is he fitting in here? Is he the right man? You know, is he the right midfielder for the job? You know, there's someone there that Villa can work with. It's like almost like in a camera question, isn't it? You're like, mm, I'm not sure. And then Gerard comes in. It's like everyone's brilliant in midfield. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Ramsey as well, like how, how far he's come on. And, and John McGinn, the quality sh- shining through. And Douglas Lewey is brilliant. You know, I thought there was a tackle he made in the first half, like really early on. I thought that, you know, he's class-like. Some of the passing. And yeah, he probably faded, but the, the whole team did. So that's not on him. But the whole midfield, mate, I, I was um, I was pretty impressed with where Sanson was popping up all the time, <laughs> everywhere. Like the energy yeah. was uh, probably just you know you do like McGinn for the the constant you know just rapid energy, but Sanson was was up there. And it was it was, a, it was really nice to see him kind of. Have a good game,
1: actually. I think, Ram- you can, again, you can say exactly the same things about Ramsey. He popped up on that kind of left hand side, and you thought, oh, Gosh, what's Ramsey doing back there? And then he'll ping a couple of short passes around a defender and play out of defence. And Yeah, what a player at, at such a young age. I thought all, all the midfielders were, were, were really good yesterday. I don't, obviously, you do miss John McGinn, but not as drastically as we would have missed him six months ago when we were thinking, Christ, no McGinn, absolutely no chance in midfield. Then I thought those three were all really good. Final one, because we are running out of time, Matt Target. As the other standout uh, performer, I wanted to talk about, not because he's had this brilliant, amazing game, but out of the defenders, Cash has given away the penalty, Cons has given away the other, Mings and the Cons of both you know, had the pants down by Lukaku, basically, and Target's put the ball in for the goal. Um, but he did play well, though. Again, I thought it was one of Target's better games in, in recent memory as well.
0: Yeah, I think he suffered at the start of the season. I think maybe. He was injured, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, the you know dropped injured um, fans coming back, you know the rotford game really rattled him for whatever reason. Um, yeah. But to you know to grow back into kind of the Matt Target we know and the Matt Target we love, it, it's needed. You know without a question, fullback has been a question mark for Villa. Um, Kane Kessler Hayden comes back next year, he probably gets a loan out to a Championship club to to build on what he's doing at Swindon. But you know the the names are like Aaron Hickey has been mentioned. In the papers, you know, Ashley Young's there, like this comp this competition and there will be coming competitions. So it's it's about time to see kind of Matt Target grow back into that role because he he was fan you know, exemplary last season. Um mm. and we, we hadn't really seen much of that. It was Matty Cash kind of stealing the headlines. So yeah, good to see him do, do you know, a bit of Matty Target we know and love.
1: The one final thing I wanted to mention, just as a bit of a nonsense point at the end, because it's absolutely meaningless now. Uh, has his penalty antics for the first yeah. one, yeah, I don't, I don't remember him doing much for the second. Um, going up to whoever the, the taker was, and kind of, I think he shook his hand, which I thought, well, yeah, that's that's strange. <laughs> Put a divot in the in the um, penalty spot with his boot, kind of yeah. just kicked a hole in the in the boot. Got a yellow card for it. Um, uh, kind of thought, oh, hopefully, he doesn't do anything stupid to get a second yellow light in the game, with time wasting or something silly like that. But again, just uh, enough to hopefully try and put off Jorginho and and just again getting his head a little bit. Again, he wasn't miles away from the penalties. I think he went the both the right way in both of them. I think and, yeah. and just a, a slasher look for Villa and, and he saves those penalties. But you know that's, that's uh, again, if spots are maybe.
0: Yeah, the the difference between Villa and Chelsea, and Villa and Liverpool has been three penalties you know, at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, And yeah, we can you can moan about how we didn't show up in that second half a lot, but you know, I, the proof is there. Like it was, they was them probably scored another way down. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> if if the penalties weren't there, but the, the truth is, it was three three penalties that separated us from two of the teams competing for the title this season. So can't moan about that, but I'm Martínez, yeah, elite penalty disruptor, but when he comes up against a Mo Salah or Jorginho, who's an elite penalty taker, you yeah. see you see the time taken, they're able to get past the mind games, you see the breathing, you know, that they're, they're totally in control of the situation, and it's like a duel, isn't it? Martínez doesn't have the upper hand like he usually does. Um, probably a bit silly kicking the divot, that was probably uh, a of his weak <laughs> reference. <knows>. It's funny, <laughs> funny yeah, knows. but um, probably need to do more of the uh, the I don't know if you can get away with the Yerimina stuff in the Premier League. You can't be calling. No, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, more of the Fernandez stuff, more of the disruption. He's good at it. It's his game. You know, it's his bread and butter. Mm. But when he comes, he's not going to come up against Jorginho and Salah every week, is he? Um,
1: yeah, exactly. What we've seen from Villa in recent weeks is that the football's not played on paper, but... I think Villa will beat a lot of the teams you expect them to beat in the in the lower half of the Premier League and and give a really good game to the guys at the top of the league as well and, and not kind of hide away and that's about as best you can ask for if you're a mid table mid table club pushing for for your Europe, European football one day. Um, beat the you know beat Burnley which we obviously was called off but I felt like we'd have we'd have done well in that game. Be a struggling lead side again. That's called off. Beat Brentford on Brent on um, on New Year's Day or, or the second of January, I think it is. But you lose that Man City Liverpool and Chelsea game in between them, and you kind of go, well, that's to be expected. But as long as you win the games, you know, like I said, that's about as far as you can you can hope for.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you if you say our poorest game in the Gerrard era so far has been without John McGinn and without Steven Gerrard and against Chelsea, and the difference was two penalties. I mean, I take that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you can't Yeah, what else can you expect?
0: Yeah, but one thing is, like, it was a disappointment that we couldn't beat the, the Villa we saw against Liverpool and the Villa we saw against Man City. Obviously, there's reasons for it, but I think you know we, we've probably gotten used to um, those entertaining losses. So to have yeah. a a fairly drab loss. Is probably, it was probably just correct. move on to the next
1: one. Yeah. Take, the, take yeah. the positives from the first half and, and go and beat Brentford. That's, that's all you can ask for, really. Yeah. Um, we are going to have to call it a day there. Sorry, James. I know there's still things we could have talked <laughs> about, but I've literally got my booster jab in six minutes, and the, the doctor's is close, but probably not six minutes close. I need to go. Um, thank you very much for everyone who's watched this this quick podcast. Though it is 24 minutes we're recorded for, so it's about as long as usual, anyway. And um, if you want to catch up with any more current blue content, we did a Christmas quiz. Uh, just before Christmas, but it's uh, still relevant to go back and watch now. If you want a bit of uh, half an hour to kill some time and answer some Villa questions and try and beat our scores, Football Manager streams again. I don't really know what's happening. I've had a few questions about that. We might do one before the new year with the the Leeds game being called off. But like I said at the start, I am still technically off work, so absolutely no promises that <laughs> there not going to be anything now until Brentford. But yeah, you, know, you never know. Uh, James, thank you very much for your time. Hope you have a, a happy new year.
0: And you, and everyone watching, thank you for following. And yeah. up the villa.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. We'll, uh, we'll catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa.